0: Strategy. Design. Marketing. UX. Digital.
1: Development.
0: This is Agencies That Build. This show is dedicated to leaders and teams that design and deploy in the digital world. My name is Jesse, and I'm a marketer and an agency owner.
1: And I'm Varun. I'm not a marketer, but a coder
0: and an agency partner. This show is sponsored by Together We Ship.
1: On a mission to help agencies grow.
0: All right, rock on! Here we are, Varun, my friend. How are you on this uh, lovely? I'm going to say Marathon Monday because I heard them cheering about an hour ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful morning. I'm so excited today because today I think we have the first time ever we have two guests together in a podcast. So a marathon you episode. <laughs> take away and introduce us to them.
0: Sure. So today's guests, we have two. Is Varun just said two awesome folks from a Good Work Agency. Good Work provides web development for agencies and brands with a bulletproof process that won't let you down. I love that tagline. Uh, our first guest is a seasoned marketer and consultant who specializes in helping businesses achieve sustainable growth. With almost two decades of experience, she has developed a reputation for exceptional ability to assist customers to navigate complex business challenges and achieve their goals. She also has a healthy obsession with her dog, and she splits her time between dallas and new orleans which is uh pretty cool so our first guest is director of strategy ariel Kildwell. our second guest before i let her say hello let me get to the second guest so then i'll let you both chime in so our second guest actually poached ariel from a client um which i believe is a pretty funny story that we may get into today or may not we'll see um she said it was the greatest career move she ever made so that's a pretty great uh introduction Uh, so he has a proven track record for leading high quality large-scale web projects for clients like PBS, Frito-Lay, and Tito's Homemade Vodka. He is also the owner of Good Work and leads the day-to-day operations, Garrett Winder.
2: Yes, I got it. I got it right.
0: (laughs) So welcome to both of you. We're happy to to have you. So we're going to start off with our our, our myth-busting question. So I will lob it into your direction. So what smash some kind of Myth, bogus strategy, or misconception, what do you guys want to set the record straight on? What do you want to clear up?
2: Um, agencies have to be chaotic, stressful, and reactive in order to keep their clients happy.
0: Tell us um, a little bit more about what you mean <laughs> by that.
2: Can yeah, you so for
0: instance it?
2: <laughs> I can. Um we've sort we've set up good work in a way that um we have processes and ways of communicating. Um, And ways of setting expectations so that we can run a calm nine to five, well, 99% of the time, nine to five agency that, um, you know, it's just, it works. Um, A lot of the people that we've, you know, worked with in the past or had experiences with at at previous jobs are just a lot more chaotic, a lot more, a lot longer days, um, just to sort of keep clients happy. And we've found another way.
0: Can you share a nugget on that other way? Like, how do you guys, you know, you, when we, we chatted initially, you talked about how you do, you you guys work nine to five, like, how do you, how do you do that? (laughs) I feel like that's something a lot of, I know a lot of people, a lot of agency struggles with a lot of companies struggle with, like, how do you manage those boundaries? Are there some tips and tricks that you can share that you guys have found that makes it work?
2: Yeah, well, it starts with our onboarding process. I'll let Ariel get into a little bit of that because we do, we set expectations very early and we say, this is what's going to make our relationship work. This is what's going to make it break down. Um, And then on top of that, it's just, you know, it's scheduling realistic deadlines, understanding that projects are not a straight line from A to B. They're very crazy, um, things like that.
3: Yeah. So when I started Good Work um, over five years ago, um, we were smaller. Garrett had been running all of the projects. There wasn't a project manager in place or anything like that. And when I came on board, I had a weird mixed history of agency life and nonprofit. So those are two very different kind of experiences in terms of managing people, working with people, expectations, etc. And the agency I had worked with previously was a global agency. I was catering clients from Dubai to New York. Hours were crazy, super stressful, people screaming at you, like kind of your, what you hear like your worst case scenario agency standpoint. So I had that experience. And then I had all of these wonderful like nine to five work-life balance nonprofit experiences. And I really wanted to go back to agency life. But I firmly believe, like believed that like, there could be a happy medium. You could have both. You could have like the fun agency creativity without the insanity. And so when Garrett brought me on board, he and I really focused on process because we figured process has to at least be the foundation for that, right? Like you have to be able to have like expectations, not only within your company, but also setting them with clients so that everyone can at least start aligned. And so we really started with processes really focusing on communication and setting those boundaries with the client early on just so everyone could be on the same page and not being afraid to say no or being hyper realistic with clients because we found that a lot of times the chaos is created by always being a yes person so you're super reactive you're just constantly pivoting no matter you know depending on what the client wants and then setting yourself up for failure with these unrealistic expectations when it comes to timelines and I don't care if it's when you tell somebody you're going to email them back, all the way down to when you're going to, you know, deliver your web development project. If you really sit down and have a thorough gut check with your team on what's realistic and also with the client, what's realistic for them, when can they deliver the materials that you need? When can they do realistic QA turns and content entry? You can kind of set these milestones and timelines that are achievable and it just feels better and you've built them together everyone has responsibility for it um, and that's kind of what's laid the foundation for it And it's been really helpful
1: i think that's a that's a that sounds really awesome to hear the way you describe it i'm um, i wonder well so setting the expectations making sure the process is right and is communicated properly with the client is super important not only with the client but with the team as well because they both need one has to deliver and one is you know expecting something from you but I'm sure or I wonder if things happen according to plans all the time um, right I mean it doesn't right let's be realistic it you know it's not always you know you'll deliver on time on budget every time, every single occasion you do it. So when that happens, when things go off, when um, you are derailed from your initial plan, how do you, well, there are two things on that. How do you mitigate those risks? And when that happens, what do you do? Like, what is the next step that comes to keep everybody aligned? Because that communication is super important and you need, I'm sure you must have experienced That with your client when they start getting angry or agitated because of the deadlines not being met so how do you handle that situation it would be very interesting because we all have dealt with those situations I think everybody does or respond to those um, experiences in a different way so I'm sure there will be some learnings we can take from you on how do you handle that
3: Yeah, I think from our perspective, the biggest thing is just getting ahead of it. You know, we're kind of just there again, like setting realistic timelines, setting realistic expectations. You know, we, you know, in a lot of ways we got to learn the easy way because we had people come to us from other agencies saying, you know, if they had just told us we could have figured this out. And Mm -hmm. after a while you hear that you're like, oh, okay. So you just, you just need to be spoken to, like just treated like an honest human. And so, one of the things that we really focus on that's really helped us mitigate a lot of issues is getting ahead of issues. So if I get the slightest inkling from our team that something is a bigger struggle than they expected it to be, they feel like the timeline's dragging, just anything, I'm the first person or other project manager would be the first person to bring it to the client's attention, figure out what's the most important thing for them to know, if there are any solutions we need to be proactively talking about anything like that to get ahead of it. So it doesn't become the snowball effect. I think wishful thinking is one of the worst things you can do in our industry because it rarely happens the best way. You always have to be proactively working towards the worst case scenario. And I found that, you know, all of us just want to be treated as humans and honest and open. And the sooner you can tell a client something isn't going well, they're going to respond to it so much better and so much um, more open than if things have already gone really too far south. So I'm a big believer in going with your gut. If your gut isn't good, telling the client, and I find that they really appreciate it because they'd much rather start proactively working through solutions before it's gotten bad than letting them know, like waving the red flag, like this has gone horribly bad, we're a month late. And they're like, how can you just now be telling me we're a month late? So I think that's one of the biggest ways. Um, And really for us, when it comes to crisis situations, it's rarely the things that you see. It's the it's the random. Somebody's out sick for a week, or on either side, client side or our side, or you know, there's a plan that we had in place for a certain implementation that is suddenly completely impossible for a various reason. You know, something like that. Um, and there again, like we just find bringing the client to the table as early as possible with potential solutions has been the easiest way to work it out you know, putting our head in the sand or keeping them in the dark, I found to be the worst thing you can do. It's better to just kind of suck it up and have those hard conversations early. It ends up making things so much smoother in the end.
2: So another piece to this, I think, is how we manage or mitigate these risks up front. So before they even come to us, we're we're assuming that things are going to happen throughout the project. Um, something that Ariel and Shannon are really good at. That's they run all of our projects is setting these timelines up front. Um, It's easy to say, you know, there's, it's a 40 hour work week. The project's going to take X amount of time and you just do the math based on that. But in reality, everybody in the project has other things that are happening throughout the day. They're getting pulled away. They're eating, they're having other projects, maybe a an emergency comes up in in something else that pulls them away for a little bit before they come back. And we account for those. So as long as it's a normal amount of chaos happening throughout the project, we already already accounted for that time. It's when the really big things come up that we have to have these conversations that Ariel was getting into. Um, When we send over timelines to clients after we've sort of worked through the scoping process, we understand what we're gonna build together. A lot of times they're a little bit shocked at at the timeline we've given them. Um, Maybe they've heard a shorter timeline from someone before, or they just had something else in their head. Um, But it's because we're setting realistic time. We understand that the feedback loops are really long. We understand that they're going to have to talk to a couple people and come back to us and something's going to happen. You know, we understand, like Ariel said, some people are going to be out sick a couple days. So that, that helps a lot as well.
0: Let me ask you a question about that, actually, because I think one of the things is all agency owners or even internal folks managing projects, like holding clients accountable or holding the person who needs to give you approval or deliverables accountable, uh, accountable, you know, outside of charging a minute they're late or something like that. Can you imagine um, you would know, all be rich and not have to do this anymore. But, right. you know, how have you guys found and and feel free to get specific, you know, how have you found because talking about timelines and managing the projects and especially with global remote teams, you know, it's something that we talk about regularly and I think that this the, 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 season Varun it seems like we've talked a lot about project management and process with our guests it seems to be kind of people are trying to figure out how to do this differently and better he's nodding for those of you listening um (laughs) you know it's I'd love to hear how you guys do that you know with your not necessarily longer timelines but realistic timeline expectations how do you make sure that your clients deliver what they owe you so you can stick to that timeline without padding it so much
3: um I think from a contractual perspective Garrett we can talk to the pause clause but there's also these little kind of may maybe I would say passive aggressive but just very blunt ways that we do it small ways for just day-to-day project management do you want to start with like the contractual stuff Garrett
2: Yeah I can um we do have a pause clause so there's a there's a certain amount of time that if they don't get back to us we just say or it says in there um we're going to take it off of our schedule. We'll, we'll move on with, you know, the other things we're working on. And once you get back to us, we'll put it back in our schedule based on our current schedule. So things could shift and move and new projects could land while they're still paused. And when they come back, it it could be a month, you know, it could even be a couple months. So that's, that's a lot of, um, that helps them stay on top of on top of it especially when they i have like a timeline that they really want
0: pause clause you know i've done it where you have like clients who you know it's like instant approval like if we don't hear back from you in the next period of time we're going to move forward assuming that these are approved again it depends on the client and how much you want to how well you know them is the way that i'll say yeah.
3: that
0: <laughs> um and how easy it is to go back and edit things if necessary so um
1: so, so i i want to sh- shift uh to another discussion around in the in the prep call I think we remember we discussed the way you position yourself um like you started focusing on um, working around craft CMS that became your specialty start like I think and then you also used that uh, skill set to partner up with other agencies before moving on to the direct customers. So I'm curious to hear from you how your experience has been in um, working with the other agencies, especially when it comes to, you know, like you mentioned about the pause class, right? That, and then how, what, if like, how can you, like, if you can give some uh, pointers around uh, how your experience was between working with agencies and the end clients, how the relationship has been, um, what did you enjoy more if it was uh, a comparison between them um, and pros and cons working with each of them? Like how? what are the wins and what are the uh, losses for you?
2: So you're right, when we started, we were specifically development for design agencies. So design agencies making a website, they would come to us and we would we would do the development piece of that and CMS integration, which ours happened to be or happens to be craft CMS. Um, the agency one's fun on one side because once they work with you and they understand that you're you really do deliver in a way that you said you did and you know we might be better than the people they worked with in the past, they bring us stuff all the time. So they're making websites for their clients all day long. And if they love us, they're sending those to us as well. So you know, I could be making dinner and someone's, I see an email come in that's like, hey, we have this website, it starts next week. So, from that side, it's very, you get a, an agency that likes you a lot and you just, it's just a big flow of projects. So, you're not really having to to work too hard for it. There's a lot of different things you're working on. Um, so, that's a good side. The other side is exactly what we said agencies don't have to be chaotic and stressful and reactive, but a lot of the ones we work with are so their timelines could change so we could say you know they could say hey we're doing this in july and july comes around and they say actually we're doing it in november and all of a sudden we have a a hole in our schedule um so that would be one of the one of the the dark side of working with the agencies
3: yeah i agree i think that's really the hardest bit and you can't blame them cuz they're they're doing the best that they can to manage the clients expectations so we kind of have to just Pivot along with them, um, you know, in a, the best case scenarios are the agencies that we really develop that working partnership with to where we all get to know each other well we know each other's process as well. And in an ideal world they have the same philosophy as we do in terms of client management and being honest being upfront. Um, that way we can all work together around alignment, it gets trickier when you have an agency that is really focused on the client can't be wrong, you have to do whatever it takes and i'm trying to set realistic expectations they're trying to do whatever you know the client wants to be done even if it's to the detriment of the project or the detriment of the client you know i feel like we have to work twice as hard to explain to them why something is dragging why something the client wants is maybe not in scope not a smart thing to do not the best thing for the project and so it just becomes a little bit of a dance if you don't have that matching philosophy but We've found that the more we work with these agencies, the more we kind of learn from each other, the more they really appreciate the ammo that we give them to help make the project better. So yeah. it's fun from that aspect because we get to learn, you know, as we onboard new agencies, we kind of learn from each other and grow together.
1: Yeah, I really like the way you said um give them the ammo to work right because that's 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 a big point not every agency has all the skill sets that they need sometimes like our model our our company's model is exactly that like we go and support other agencies with all the wide variety of skill sets that they need and that makes a lot of sense when it when you think about it them becoming your sales engine right but then that comes with a risk because the gap that you mentioned so how i'm i'm curious like because that that gap is hard to fill when somebody just disappears well, not disappear but they their project has paused you don't have control they are in control they are driving it then you are just becoming a strategic partner you know with double quotes but basically this is where you end up with so how do you manage that um, because you have the team to, to, to be utilized, right? I think you mentioned you have about 15 people or 12 people. Um, do you have um, you know, a process in which you, you know, make sure that there are, um, that your that team is being utilized for a certain amount of time when this situation happens?
2: I think the first thing is we follow up quite a bit before the project starts Mm -hmm. so if we get a new website with an agency client and it's a few months out the start date we're following up to them i don't know the exact interval but it's it's regularly and so we could know like that got pushed that got pushed that got pushed well before we actually get there that way we don't you know the monday that the project starts comes around we don't sit down get ready to work on it, and they say it's in a few months. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, Um, I agree. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and we're finding, especially with our agency partners, the earlier we get involved, the better, and I think that's really helped with Cadence as well. Um, You know, probably five plus years ago, we would be brought in just for the design handover, and we would just have to be you know, just rely on their emails of saying, "Hey, this is going to be you know available on X date," you know, and things like that. Whereas, like now, we're finding the more we work hand in glove with the agencies, really starting as early as discovery on the the easier the communication is because if we're involved with them, even just behind the scenes, because some agencies want us to be in front of the end clients, some want us to be behind the scenes, but even the ones where we're behind the scenes. When we're able to be involved in the internal design reviews and things like that, we're already so plugged into the project, it, they almost can't help but be honest with us on how timelines are going, what bumps in the road are occurring and things like that. And that really helps us pivot um, versus just always having that one design handover date in mind. So we just find that earlier we get involved, um, kind of the better and the smoother we can make the process feel um, for that development transition just like the theme of
0: today's conversation is communication you know like everything is this i don't want to use it's not over communication but it's consistent i feel like the idea and you guys pride yourselves on in this regular you know regularly scheduled regularly planned like check-ins and communications what and both of you are nodding for those of you listening um (laughs) it's all good uh I guess my question is what are, you know, digging into like how you do it, you know, outside of email and phone calls and stuff like that, are there tools that you guys have found that you've used? Cause you guys are, you know, a a global team, if I'm not mistaken, you know, drop us some nuggets on what are, what are you using? What are you, what have you loved? What do you not prefer? You know, how do you make this whole engine work in the behind the scenes, you know, pull back the wizard of Oz curtain.
2: Yeah. We, so first of all, we have a call every day. The whole, the whole team talks every morning. So um, your whole team,
0: like the agency? Our whole team.
2: Gotcha. So it's Texas morning. So it's, it's might be mid morning for some people, afternoon for some people, but we all get on a zoom call every day and each, everybody goes through and says what, you know, what they're working on, what they have today. If there's any blocks, if you need to talk to the client, deadlines coming up, all sorts of stuff. Um, and then as far as tools go, we, for a long time, we kept this all in Trello. And, and we had this thing called the, the master queue. And it was like upcoming projects, you know, working, blocked, done. And each project, whether it was a couple hours or a couple months, was a card on that board that, you know, linked out to different details. And so you could just see as a whole. You know where we're at. Um, over time, we've we've adjusted that a little bit, but it's always been. There's a place where you see it all. There's a place where we track it all. So harvest, um, and then we also use forecast, which is Harvest's Tetris, you know, product, and that is our scheduling board. And it it's it's a Tetris board of the whole team and every project going on, and, and who's working on what and when. Uh, I'll let Ariel get into what's changed though, because now we, you know, our code's always been in GitHub, but now a lot of our project management's in GitHub too. We actually moved from Trello to, to GitHub for that so that these projects are tied to the code changes, which helps us a lot because our, our clients are long-term, you know, something can happen in two years where we kind of want to look back and see, oh, that was this project. And we touched this thing.
3: Yeah. And from a client-facing perspective, we definitely rely on some tools. And for the consistency, that's a big part of our client onboarding is we set expected touch points. So like for every one of our large projects or retainers, we set up an expected day with a client that they can expect an email from us. And we try to use it as a really quick recap. We don't try to get too verbose. It's literally bulleted what we're up to this week, what we're going to be up to next week, if there are any blocks or obstacles what they are, who's in charge of resolving it and um, an expected resolution date, which is kind of one of those funny little like tricks that I use, especially if it's a client side drag. No one wants to be called out, but at the same time, if we're calling ourselves out, they need to be responsible too. And so I think it's a great little way of like everyone being aligned on where the drags are and who they are. Um, That's and a then, great
0: tip right there. That's a nugget.
3: <laughs> and it's it's not meant to be in a mean way or anything, but it's just being very transparent about where the drags are, where the, you know, what are the bits of information we need or vice versa, and who's in charge of it, and then everyone's held accountable for it. Um, so for those weekly Uh, Project status updates, you know, as a project manager, when we're managing 20 or 30 projects at a time, sometimes those can be really hard to keep track of. And a tool that I use that I've told so many of our agency friends about and they love it is called To Do. It's an app. You can have it on your phone. You can use it in browser. But it has this it's so simple, but it can help so much keep track of all the little emails and status updates you need to do, as well as deliverables and things like that. And it has this great thing to where you can say, like it's sort of the project. If I set up with like project X um, wants to have their status update every Tuesday, you can say project X, you know, status update every Tuesday and it automatically schedules that out for you. Um, so it's just a handy. That's one that I always just love to tell people about. Yeah. I think it's five bucks a month. It's like something. a
0: sneaky personal assistant. That's, you know. Exactly. It's not a person. <laughs> yeah.
3: it's, it's lovely. I absolutely love it. Um, We also have started using Slack more and more with our end clients. We're finding that that shared communication is really helpful. When I first started doing it, I honestly worried it'd be a little chaotic because we already use Slack internally for a lot of stuff. And everyone talks about context switching and the cost of that. Um, So I was a little worried about it at first, but I found it to be really helpful, especially on larger projects where you need a lot of collaboration agency projects where our developers can talk directly to the designers to get questions answered, things like that. So I highly recommend doing that as long as communication kind of rules are put in place, what hours are available, um, you know, what. Response expectations. Exactly. Response expectations. Boundaries. Exactly. And I think once those are set, I find people love boundaries and everyone follows them. So Um, I really love using Slack. And then last but not least, we have a project plan that we set up for every project. That's this multi-tab spreadsheet that is shared with the end client or the agency partner. And it holds literally all the things. So they don't have to look for multiple documents to find the timeline, the contract, ongoing things we're trying to collect, QA plans and timelines. It's just this singular multi-tab spreadsheet that kind of becomes the bible for the project and i found our end clients really enjoy that because they're just not having to hunt and peck for information
0: we're logging w- different systems
1: i would mm-hmm. love to see that for spreadsheet it. that sounds <laughs> like you know yeah. a, a great tool um it's 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 so so good to hear the way you're explaining the the importance of um uh, over communicating, setting the expectations, because this is kind of establishing the culture as well. As you grow, everybody in the team needs to know, because I mean, at some point you will only be able to manage so many clients, like your team need to also follow that same suit, same expectations and align with that process, which is where I think the way you were explaining makes so much sense that everybody, are is using the same tools. They follow, they know what is coming, they know what is expected from them. And that is how they need to do it as they grow um, in the in the company. Um, Following up on the process questions, you you talked about the interaction between designers and and developers. How where does your QA fit in the in the mode? I we talked with so many uh, agencies and we could not find any specific trend, I would say. like some people like to use an um a dedicated q a person to do the quality check. some Some like to have their devs do their own q a. sometimes agency owners like project managers do the testing or let the clients do the testing. What's your philosophy? what do you how do you tackle that? The quality yeah. check
3: so it's it's layered, you know, like a lot of people do, but we find um, we have a designer in-house. It's a designer developer. He's kind of a unicorn in that way. Um, and so we rely on him heavily for internal QA testing. So we do have a round of internal QS, QA testing that the project manager assigned to the project does alongside um, our designer developer, because he has that eye for design files and can really, you know, look at that very molecular level um, to make sure padding and fonts and things like that are all um, as expected. And then for our agency partners, we found it really helpful to have three rounds of QA that first round being directly with the agency partner, that's really focused on front end QA, making sure the design is expected and everything's nice and polished before we start going into QA's round two and three, which are really more focused on content entry, pressure testing, the CMS, you know, bug fixing, things like that. And that flow has worked really good and has felt really um, healthy for like that end part of the project because QA, is usually when it gets kind of chaotic in our world because everyone's in the CMS. People are coming up with new ideas. Designers are wanting to change things because they've actually kind you know seen it come to fruition. And we found kind of taking it in bite-sized pieces really helps work through that.
2: Oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
3: No, you answer. Well, they don't ask my. I was question. just gonna
2: say it's we define it. I think really well too because QA is a time where clients. The, the design team, like they're seeing it for the first time and they're getting ideas and they, they maybe they want to change things up or, um, you know, adjust something. And so t- to keep, you know, everything on timeline, part of it is we define it. And we say, you know, this is what QA is. It, it's bugs according to um, the annotations of how this works that we talked about up front. It's It's design issues according to the design that was signed off and talked about up front, and everything else. We put it in this bucket and it's called Phase two. And mm-hmm. um, that that works really well. It keeps everyone on track during QA. and it also gives us sort of a, a follow-up project to do afterwards to polish things up now that we've we've sort of seen real life start going into the website.
0: Now this this question is for Gary. How did you start this business? How did you get into this? What's your what's your origin story? It's like the Avengers um, question. Tell me about your origin story.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I I actually went to colleges for accounting. So I was in, a, I was accounting. Um, at some point during college, wanted to make some money, got into looking into making websites, and I got really interested in it. You know, accountings like very logical and systems based based and whatnot and code was very similar I got obsessed with it I started making websites for sort of smaller companies around the town that like the university was in and um, and then graduated in 2008 so a lot of my friends were just going home that was sort of a hard time to, to get a job out of college um, and I was already making websites. I wasn't used to making, you know, money out of college. And so, uh, my roommate and I got a, a, an office downtown and where we were, we just started being the website people in that town. It was a good year for that and good timing for that. And, you know, it's all sort of, we've weaved since then, but that company, we ended up going and getting jobs. I went and worked in England for a, a web design company that was much bigger than the one I had started learned a lot of things and then eventually moved back to Texas decided I wanted to go at it again and and started good work and so my first hire was actually one of the guys I worked with in England and that's kind of why we have this tie to England and now we have a couple people there and in France
0: that's your your global approach I like it so let me ask you guys one last question. What's exciting you about the future? Maybe Ariel, if you want to go first, and then we'll end with Garrett. Does that work?
3: Putting <laughs> you on the spot. Yeah, <laughs> Eating the robots. I'll let him speak to that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just the fact that being, or, you know, or being in the industry of the internet is so exciting. And something that we focus on every year as a team is what's next. You know, our expertise is craft right now, but the internet's changing on a daily basis, much less a yearly basis. So just looking to the future to see as a web development agency, what does that mean six months from now, a year from now, three years from now, what are going to be the needs and just constantly learning and evolving to be a part of that. Like that's super exciting to me. And part of the challenge that I enjoy most of this job is just always looking to the future.
2: Nice. Yeah. Um, She said defeating the robots, which is, that's kind of a a funny catch-all that we have for just like making sure we keep evolving and and going with the times. Uh, When we started, you know, it was like every project was someone comes to us, they need this whole new website. It's a start to finish project. We finish it. And then we do that again for another company and another one and another one. And what, you know, what we've already seen happen is over time, that's changed to where these clients, instead of just getting like this website, that's going to have a shelf life for a shorter amount of time, they're getting this design system with this complex content management system. And they can sort of build pages out with modules. And the job ends up being between redesign A and redesign B, you're, you're doing all of this features work and bug fixing and adjusting modules and adding you know making it to where they can put this new type of content on their website and so it's gone from this start to finish relationship to these more ongoing relationships so that's kind of what we've seen happen so far and then as clients get more advanced and mature with with websites in general we just, we keep seeing that relationship between us and them change.
0: Sounds good. Well, th- thank you both for joining us today. And, uh, Absolutely. You know, this says, you know, clear communication is the theme of mm-hmm. our, our chat. So where people can find you guys are both on, um, you can find Ariel and Garrett both on LinkedIn and then your website is simply dot And then I believe y'all have some socials as well, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, Thanks so much. That's it, everyone. If you learned something today or laughed, tell us about the pod, tell someone about the podcast. Um, See you next time. Thanks for listening. Find our other episodes on agencies.bill.com. Plus we're listed anywhere you find your favorite podcast.